Welcome to the Design Thinkers Academy London podcast, where we focus on design thinking and its role in some of the biggest issues facing society today. For our podcast today, we are joined by one of our newest coaches, Hattie Camp. Hattie started her career working with global brands, helping clients to grow their businesses, developing new propositions and products. As her experience grew, so did her love for innovation. From products to services, she built innovative, brand-led consumer experiences that were groundbreaking in their sector. Hattie then moved into third sector consulting, delivering innovation and strategy with purpose. She has since joined our team, working across multiple consultancy projects, including one with Guy's and St. Thomas's that we will be talking about later in the podcast. And she also teaches on our design thinking courses, including our upcoming design thinking fundamentals. Welcome, Hattie. Hi, Ben. Hattie, it's great to have you here today. And in a bit, we're going to talk about that previous project with Guy's and St. Thomas's, because I know you've got a lot to say about it and the research process that was involved and what we discovered. But before we get to that, I want to first ask you about how you came to be here working with us at DKNA and the Design Thinkers Academy London, because it is a more unusual story than most. Yeah, firstly, just to say, really nice to be here, but also this is my first podcast experience late to the party. So be kind, as pithy as possible. So how did I hear about Design Thinkers Academy and DKNA? So I actually took the facilitation mastery course back in 2019, pre-pandemic, really because one of my favorite parts of my job is it's that process of helping my clients come up with new ideas. I absolutely love being in a workshop with clients. You're sat at the table, you're elbow to elbow, and you're really working on solving those problems together, helping them come up with these ideas that hopefully one day will kind of live and breathe within their organizations. And I wanted to be better at that to enable my clients to be able to come up with better ideas fundamentally. Mm-hmm. So I was at the uh, third set consultancy. I had my own training budget, which was really nice. I know not everyone gets that opportunity um, in organizations. And I just did some Googling and found the Design Thinkers Academy online. And, you know, the Design Thinkers Academy do a ton of different courses, but the facilitation mastery run really caught my eye when I looked at the job description, because I really felt like the things that it covers would really allow me to take my facilitation skills to the next level, really. Nice. And so what was it that you liked about the facilitation mastery course that made you think, I want to do more of this, I want to get involved? Yeah, so the things that the thing that I really liked when I read it was the thing that when I actually came to do it, I really disliked and I'll explain. (laughs) So the thing about the course and actually it's it's the same across a lot of the design thinkers academy courses that we run it's that combination of theory but also doing it and having that practical experience mm-hmm. and for me i'm that kind of learner that really needs the hands-on experience enable for it to penetrate penetrate my brain and for me to retain that kind of information better i find if i just read something it goes in one ear and, and out the other. And that's what I really liked about the structure of the, the course. It's two days and across those two days, you really move between absorbing and digesting the theory before moving on to doing it. You know, you get given 
a huge number of tools and techniques that you then get to practice in your small groups. And that was also really nice because it was an intimate course because there weren't 50, 60 people on it. You know, I think there was about 10 to 15 of us. So you're really able to have those interactions with people, practice using those techniques and tools. And for me, that felt really robust as an approach and kind of the type of course that I wanted to be on. Absolutely. But saying that, so... I don't know if people all know much about the structure of that course specifically, but at the end of the two days, it culminates in every attendee having to run and facilitate their own session with the rest of the attendees. And you get filmed doing it, which is my worst nightmare. (laughs) (laughs) But the brilliant thing is you prep and you facilitate your own session. You get immediate feedback from the different attendees in on the course. And then you also have a one-on-one with the coaches and there's always two coaches as well. So you get that different dynamic as well, which is really nice. But then when you're having that one-on-one with a coach, you have to watch the video again and they literally pause it and give you direct feedback. So for me, seeing myself on screen wasn't great, but actually really being able to see and pinpoint those things that I could improve on and hearing those pointers from these coaches that are really experienced for me that was it was so valuable and it really made the course feel feel worthwhile because it it, it, you know it was a time a time investment okay nice and i mean now here we are what what was that when was that course was 2019 was it yeah i think about september october Okay, so 2019, September, October, and here we are three years later. And instead of being on courses, you then came on board for one of our uh, client projects through our consultancy DKNA. How did you get involved? Like, what attracted you to coming on board? Yeah, no, it was a funny time, actually. I was freelancing, and actually, one of the guys who was on the course with me. He is also now um, a coach at DTA. Um, He kind of got in touch and said, the guys are looking for someone to help run this project. I think, I think you'd, you'd be really interested. So I kind of came on board and spoke, spoke to David and the CEO um, and the founder of DTA and DKNA. And really there was, there was two things that really attracted me to the specific guys in St. Thomas's project. So from, From a client point of view, from a work point of view, I'll start there. It was really the opportunity to work with such a British icon. I mean, who hasn't used the NHS in in their lifetime if if you are British? And also, you all know that the NHS is a hugely complex organisation. You know, especially over the past two years with the pandemic, we know that they have been under such immense pressures and they're still under a lot of pressure to not only improve their services, but really in order to survive in the long term, they know that they need to start transforming how they go about not only how they they run, but also how they deliver their patient experience. <clears throat> so for me, it was the, the ability to work with that kind of organization, which I knew would be really challenging because it's very complex. But I also felt that the NHS and guys in St. Thomas's specifically the trust that we were brought on to work with 
would just benefit so much from design thinking and, and user-centered design. So what they do a lot at the moment, which lots of people would hear about in the newspapers and when you read articles on them in the media, is they always talk about improvement and tweaking and cutting down patient backlog and reducing patient waiting times and all those things. But really, they need to start thinking, and this is what guys in St. Thomas's are talking about, they really start thinking about how do we things to really make change. Yeah. And that was really exciting to think that I could be a part of a project that would help them do that. And from a personal point of view, you know, as I mentioned, I spent a couple of years working for a third sector consultancy. So working for a lot of government departments and charities in the UK and abroad and having a project that was so purpose driven was also really powerful to me. And that was also what really attracted me to DKNA in the long term and me wanting to, to work here and be a part of this team is that the DKNA ethos, philosophy, whatever we want to call it, is about creating responsible revolutions. And that really aligns with the type of purpose, purpose-driven work that I want to do. So you were attracted to the project and working with the NHS and guys, but what exactly were they trying to achieve with this piece of work? How could design thinking have an impact? So the project was fundamentally about, it was, it was a research-based project. So it was very much the first part of the double diamond. It didn't go, um, it wasn't end-to-end. Mm-hmm. So it was a research-based project. And they know that they really need to start really changing the way that they deliver their ambulatory services. Now, that was a whole new word to me, and that's basically outpatient care. Okay. So I wanted to think about how do we better understand the needs, the challenges, the barriers to interacting with the ambulatory services that they provide to their patients to encourage patients to use them more and therefore just have a better experience. Guys in St. Thomas's have a wealth of data around their patients in terms of do not attend rates and and things like that, but they didn't have a sense or an understanding of from a human point of view, what are the key problems that, that they're facing? So it was more, it was really looking at that kind of ethnographic piece of trying to understand human beings themselves and what they actually think, not just looking at the data and the stats, but really getting to the core of why these things are happening. Absolutely. It was about getting under the skin of the end user. And another thing is, which was actually really helpful in the project process is they have a great understanding of what their strengths are and the areas in which internally from a process and systems point of view that they already have some challenges with and some of those are at a guys and st thomas's trust level but actually a lot of those are at a wider nhs level you know they are part of this huge complex organization and you you can't separate the two when you're thinking about how we actually deliver care in a really positive way so that that was something we had to um take on board as well yeah so there was a few things that that i'll talk about for this project specifically and i'll i'll start with that ethnographic research 
So as I said, they have a great understanding of what they do really well and where, where their challenges are, but they don't understand how people perceive their services when they actually experience them. And it was funny when we started talking to, to patients, they started off by saying, thank you so much to the NHS. You know, we, we ran this project right when Omicron was really hitting London. So it was after the two years of people being trapped in their homes and really relying on the NHS, you know, in the UK. And the first thing people would say is how much they loved and appreciated the NHS. So actually we had to work really hard to get beyond that and actually get them to open up and talk about the things that actually needed improving and how they felt when they interacted with the service and the things that work well and, you know, really don't work well for them. As I just said, we were running this project at a really difficult time for the NHS, for guys in St. Thomas's and for for the end users, for patients. So our main focus was talking to people who have long, long-term conditions. A lot of them have multiple long-term conditions and that's why they are in the ambulatory services because they do have to come in and out of hospital for various tests and checkups and that kind of thing because they have conditions that they will have for the rest of their life. So it's about ongoing management. So their interactions with guys in St. Thomas's are on a fairly frequent basis. This wasn't about understanding the emergency department um, or anything like that. So it was, it was quite focused in this specific area. Okay. I mean, trying to run a project with a complex organization can be, can be full of challenges, but when you throw in Omicron on top of that, yeah, it, it just made it more difficult, 10 times that amount. But we kicked the project off in November, 2021. Okay. And the research was set to take place in the January, February. So the timing couldn't have been worse. It wasn't ideal at all. So the team that we were working with was made up of doctors and consultants whose day-to-day job is to look after people and then they were having to you know support us and work with us on this project as well so it was was a lot for them to take on but they were under even more pressure than usual you know lots of staff members off sick with covid so they were having to cover them so there was that level of complexity from a project management point of view and keeping momentum with that project but it also really added another layer of complexity when we were going into clinic and doing observational ethnographic research in diabetes clinics in rheumatology clinics and when we were going into people's homes vulnerable people with multiple long-term conditions to conduct research with them face to face the fact that we actually managed to do it, uh, very minimal time delays, I think really showed not only resilience from the team, but real commitment to how dedicated they are to, to making change within the ambulatory services. And so what happened? What were the positives that came out of the project? There, there was two main things for me. So with this being a research project, we absolutely had to have a research strategy that was watertight. And when I say that, I mean, we needed to look through multiple lenses in order to gather insight that's really robust and gives us 
um, not only breadth, but real depth. Because um, that, that's the beauty when you do qualitative research, you can really dig deep and ask why, why, why over and over again. Yeah. So we developed kind of a three-pronged approach for this. So firstly, and most importantly, in my eyes, we spoke to end users. And as I said, across multiple condition areas. And they were also at different stages of the patient journey. So some of them might have been very much at the start of their diagnosis and still actually going through that process of diagnosis, trying to figure out, you know, what is exactly wrong with me? What is that condition that I have? Whereas we also spoke to people on the other end of that spectrum, people that had suffered with diabetes, for example, for years. So people who were very comfortable with managing their condition. So we spoke to a whole number of end users um, across different stages of the patient journey with a whole variety of issues, such as mobility um, and being able to access the hospital and access some of the services that the the guys in St. Thomas's hospitals provide. Okay. So we really dug deep into understanding them. And not only did we talk to them face to face, some of them, we went into um, their homes and spoke to them and kind of saw the environments that they lived in. We also conducted online research. So using Zoom, which everyone by that point was very familiar with, even kind of the, the 80 year olds were very familiar with it, which was great. But we also asked them to do diaries for us. So we were on that journey with them as they were interacting with guys in St. Thomas's. Because for a lot of these people, because they have long-term conditions, they don't interact with guys in St. Thomas's for maybe six months at a time. And then they've got to go back in and they've got to have a consultation. They might have to have some bloods taken, whatever it is. But for long periods, they might not interact with guys in St. Thomas's. So we really made sure that to really understand the issues and get that real live feedback that we were on them when they were, we were on that journey with them when they were actually going into hospital. Mm-hmm. So we did WhatsApp diaries and we also had the option for paper diaries as some people aren't quite so familiar with WhatsApp or some people don't have access to smartphones. So we really understood not only from a point of view of tell us about the experiences you've had before, but actually seeing the experiences as they're happening in real time. So that was also really powerful. So that was our end users. Then we also, you know, as I said before, we knew that guys in St. Thomas's had a, had a pretty good grasp on some of the challenges that they face from a process and systems point of view, but we wanted to hear it from the frontline staff. Our team was made, you know, the core client team that we were interacting with was made up of relatively senior people within, within the trust. And we wanted to get in front of people that are on the front line, interacting with patients on a day-to-day basis. And we spoke to doctors, we spoke to nurses, but we also spoke to receptionists and administrative staff as well to really understand the challenges from different points of view. And then finally, we realized that when people come into interacting with guys in St. Thomas's, which is a secondary and tertiary care environment, people are having to come through the primary care environment. And when I say that, I mean GP surgeries. So we went out into the local boroughs of Lambeth and Southwark, and we spoke to those, again, 
doctors, nurses, and receptionists and administrative staff working in the primary care environment to understand the challenges that they face when they're moving their patients from their care and moving them into secondary care. So that real wraparound across those three groups really helped us get under the skin of those problems. Yeah, I mean, it's a really in-depth research project. I actually don't know much about this project. This is the first time I'm really hearing it. And it's fascinating to hear all of the different angles where you approached it to really get into what the problems were. Because if you focus on one element here, it wouldn't be enough. You know, it needed all of these three different things working together to really understand the whole process that patients are going through. Exactly. And that's why the design thinking approach is so brilliant here, because it really gives you that amazing framework to work within, but tweak it so you can really tackle complex problems like this, because it it is really complex. Uh, You know, we had a very complex stakeholder map. So that was a big piece of work that we did early on, thinking about not just internally, guys in St. Thomas's, but also externally, who do we need to be pulling into these conversations? Because we cannot think about this from a research point of view or an ideation point of view in a bubble. Yeah. We have to think about all the different parts that are that are connected to it. So yeah, it, it was pretty it was pretty complex, but it also made it so rewarding when we we played back those insights and those patient themes and those patient personas to the to the core team and the wider team across the ambulatory services and across guys and St. Thomas's. And when you see people nodding and you see people's surprised faces because you're telling them something really new. And that was really powerful as well for us. And so after all of that work, what kind of opportunity areas did you discover? Yeah, so there were four opportunity areas that came out of this research piece. And at a broad level, I can can take you through them. So the first one was around really reducing those levels of anxiety and worry that patients feel across the patient pathway. That spans across the whole journey and for different personas, it's actually at different moments in which they're feeling different levels of anxiety, but everyone's feeling a lot of anxiety. This is about their health. These people have multiple long-term conditions. So that's a really important one. I'd say that was the top one. The second one was really around guys in St. Thomas's are an absolute wealth of knowledge and they have some of the best doctors in the UK that work there. So the second one was around how do we disseminate the amazing knowledge and skills that they have within that trust beyond their beyond their hospital walls. How do we get that out into the community and what does that look like? What could that look like? The third one was around when we're thinking about patient care, how are we not just behaving in a reactive way, but how are we giving them care and treatment that is proactive? So what can we do in that preventative space? Because the knock-on effect from that can only be positive. And finally, we're thinking about how do we, a little bit similar to the, the second one I mentioned, but how do we get services to the heart of the community? How do we make it easier for these patients that have mobility issues um, and things like that that make it hard to get to the hospital? How do we bring care to them in the places that they go on a day-to-day basis? 
And part of that, when you're turning it back, I know obviously working here, the one of the principles of DKNA is this kind of learn do approach. So it's not just telling people something, but it's bringing them on board with the process and making them understand what we're doing so that they can even initiate their own process or, or similar research in the future. Was that a part of this project? Absolutely. And as you say, that's something we try to weave into every single consulting project that we run at DKNA. And that's what we did here as well, even though we had all the challenges around Omicron and even getting access to the hospital and that kind of thing was really difficult. But we persevered and we ran a research based activity that enabled doctors and nurses and employees of Guys and St. Thomas's who sat outside of our core project group to come in and learn and practice some of those really important research tools and techniques that, that we used on this project. So we had a wonderful group of doctors and nurses who we organized an online briefing with them, took them through the project and the objectives, we shared the research plan and we took them through the tools and techniques we were going to use and then shared various hints and tips on how to be a good researcher. And then we sent them off and we said to them, try not to go to the department that you know, but go to a different department in, in the hospital, still within the, the boundaries of where we were working within ambulatory services. And, and spend some time in those clinics, on those wards, in those reception areas. We gave them templates to fill out, insight templates to fill out. So they had kind of all the tools that they needed to do that. And then about a week later, we brought them back together in a face-to-face -face live download, research download and insight building session. And we'd already done an initial pass at the themes and insights so we presented that back to them and then they built on that with everything that they'd heard so we had new patient quotes and we had slightly nuanced information that we were learning that we could add to really build richness into the insight themes that we'd already started to put together and you know we do this stuff all the time so for us that was a very normal part of our day-to-day -day jobs but for these doctors and nurses you know they've they've never had to do this kind of research before and and the process was totally alien to them and they were so open and so engaged with it um it was really brilliant and it really it really added um to what we learned as well so it wasn't just an exercise it wasn't just us doing an exercise for the sake of doing it. You know, they got to learn some key tools and techniques, but it also added real richness to our themes and insights. So it, it was a win-win from both sides. Yeah. And I know one of the, the philosophies that they, we like to say at DKNA is that everyone can be a designer or everyone can learn design. You know, once you know the process and once you know how to use design thinking, anyone can use it. it it's it's a very inclusive methodology and actually the beauty of it is that it provides a really robust framework but it can be flexed to solve a whole host of different challenges and that's why at dkna whenever we run these consulting projects it is really important to us that we don't just parachute in do some work 
and leave, but that we actually upskill the people that we're working with in design thinking so they can then take that and disseminate it across their organizations you know it's it's not just using it on our design thinking projects or service design projects there are so many different types of challenges that that you can use it on we actually had a had a really nice um, friend of the company He's, a, he's an industry, industry expert in design thinking, come in and have a chat with us over lunch recently about their, their experiences of design thinking in kind of the working world. And he told us that he'd used design thinking and the tools and techniques in his marriage. So I can tell you the possibilities are endless. <laughs> wow. Using the double diamond to frame the future of his marriage. Some of those tools and techniques around yeah stakeholder mapping or doing an empathy map and all that kind of thing, creating, you know, those different personas in your life. So it was, it was a surprise to hear, but it shows how versatile it is. Completely. And this leads me on to the Design Thinkers Academy, because as well as obviously the consultancy side and teaching people as we go there, we actually, you know, there are direct courses to teach people in design thinking, one of which is our upcoming fundamentals course where you are going to be a coach. So firstly, how does it feel to be back and teaching in person? Oh, it, it's so nice to be in the same room as people again. You know, a number of our courses moved online during the pandemic, so we can, could continue them. But it, as everyone will know, it's totally different when you're in a room together. You know, that energy, the ability to be so much more flexible and adaptable actually when you're face to face, because when you're online, it has to be much more rigid and prescriptive because, you know, you just only have a certain amount of time to do things and seeing people's profiles, you know, it's so nice to see the size of people's faces versus just the front of them. So yeah, that I'm really glad to be um, in front of people again and feeling that energy. And to fundamentals itself, uh, why should people go on this course? What is fundamentals all about? Well, it's an intense two days. So it's two full days that that will put you at the edge of your comfort zone because it's a real introduction. So it, it's definitely for beginners um, of design design thinking, but it really gives you the basic knowledge and understanding that you need to pull it into to your day-to-day job and to help you start to run those work streams, those projects to design services and products in a human-centered way. Um, and also the types of people that you get to meet on these courses, people from different industries, people in maybe similar, but also very different roles to you. So not only are you learning a whole new methodology, but you're also being exposed to the different challenges that people also have in in their day-to-day jobs. And actually having those discussions and those interactions, that adds a whole nother level of richness to the course as well. And going back to the project you just uh, explained a lot of the skills and a lot of the research techniques and a lot of the work that you did you know that has roots in what people would learn on fundamentals yes so as part of the guys in st thomas's project we created a leave behind innovation toolkit which consisted of research themes and insights personas user journeys 
And those things are absolutely the tools and techniques that people will experience and learn to use on fundamentals, plus many, many more. Everything from stakeholder mapping to empathy maps, as I mentioned, to personas, right through to the end of the the double diamond into different co-creation tools and techniques and through to prototyping. So it's a, it's a lot, it's jam packed, it's action packed, but it really gives you a brilliant base level of knowledge. Brilliant. Well, thank you for your time today, Hattie, and sharing all of that. It's really, yeah, really interesting to learn more about the Guys and St. Thomas project and also exciting with you joining and teaching other people in design thinking for fundamentals. Thanks so much, Ben. It's been really nice to relive that project and yeah, take part in my first ever podcast. So thank you very much. You're a great host. Thank you to Hattie for the podcast today. If after listening to this podcast, you want to find out more about our work, then please do visit our DKNA website for client work. And to learn more about the Design Thinkers Academy London, including our online and in-person courses, you can visit the website at www.designthinkersacademy.co.uk. You can also follow the Design Thinkers Academy on LinkedIn, Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Thank you for listening and stay tuned for another podcast coming soon.